0: When I mean, they're supposed to be the city on a hill. That is their job. They are supposed to be the shining example. You follow Yahweh, this is what you get.
1: Hello, this is the Adventures of the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining me on the podcast today will be Karen and Tracy, But as you have probably already noticed, the introduction is different, and that is because last week, if you recall, our recording had gone a bit long, and we had split the episode up into two better bite-sized episodes. And so this week, we will be picking up in chapter 10 of the book of Nehemiah, and we will be discussing through chapter 13. So we'll be ending that book of Nehemiah this week. And so, rather than the regular banter and stuff that my mom gets irritated with, yeah, I know she says she doesn't, but we all know. Anyway, we will move right on in to this week's discussion of Nehemiah, chapter 2, 10 through 13.
0: So then in (laughs) chapter 10, um, then they start talking about, we the people promise to never do these things again. And to do these things forevermore, amen, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And so it
0: gets into behavior, right? So so we've we've listened to the law. We've celebrated the return of, of God at the center of our society. We had the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. Uh, we abjected ourselves and prayed for forgiveness for ourselves and our ancestors who got so off. Sometimes they were right on point and sometimes they got horribly off track. And now we're going to look at our day-to-day customs, and we're going to make a written agreement of how we're going to do it. So this actually starts at the end of chapter 9. So in view of their prayer, right, that long prayer that I was talking about in chapter Mm 9, in verse 38, it moves on. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, the Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. And then it lists off the exact people at the beginning of chapter 10 who sealed it. And then it goes into the details of what that means. Here's Mm -hmm. what we will do. Here's what we won't do. Here's what we're going to, how we're going to handle X, Y, Z. Pretty cool.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I liked it. You know, that prayer recognized all the failings of the past. You know, we rose and we fell and we rose and we fell and we rose and we fell. And because of this, we're going to make a covenant. And then, yeah, then it's. These are the people who wrote and signed the covenant and then details. And it's, I value and appreciate what they do with the covenant. And then, but at the same time, I look at it with a little bit of trepidation because I think maybe this is where we start to see a lot of that legalism creep in that we see at Jesus's time, um, where the intentions Mm -hmm. are good, but. You use the word Karen behavior. Now we're going to start focusing on the behavior. and that's fair because we've seen how the behavior in the past led them down the wrong way. Um, they were
0: correcting behaviors is what I think mm-hmm. it was. To me, when I read it, it sounded like they were stating it out loud because they were corrections that need to be made needed to be made. Mm-hmm. So that's not a bad thing. No, However,
1: yeah, however. So the one of the things they first do is separate, separate themselves from, well, okay, it says everyone who separated themselves from the law of God, so everybody, it says entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law. So so basically, we're going to do this or else. And it's things like we're going to do the commandments and stuff that we were that we were commanded to do. We're not going to give our daughters in marriage to the to the pagan people. Um, which we'll get, you know, that comes back oh, later in, uh, chapter 13 when ne- Nehemiah, uh, has to, has to, uh, put the, put the stop to that. Um, we're not going to buy products brought to the city on the Sabbath or other holy days. Um, we're not going to harvest our fields every seventh year. These are all things that had been talked about previously that they, that they weren't supposed to do. These were things that they were supposed to follow. And they simply hadn't, and they're recognizing that now they're recognizing this is why we got carried off to Babylon for 70 years. This is why we're in a position of having to rebuild everything. this is why we look at our temple and know that it looks nothing or at least it's you know it's a it's a a, a, a sad shadow of what it once was. And there's talk about how they're going to support support the temple. Now this doesn't sound like a lot of money to me. You tell me what you think. A third of a shekel every year from everybody goes to the service of the house of God. I don't know what inflation is like, but that doesn't sound like a lot. I've never thought of a shekel as being very much money, and everybody is only giving a third of a shekel every year.
0: But that's in cash. There's also grain offerings, True. which are partially used to support the and feed the priests. Mm-hmm. There's meat offerings, you know, sin and what what were the what were the different offerings that had meat associated with them? Sin oh, offerings, gosh. obviously, but there were yeah. there were a few. And each of those, the priests, certain parts of the animal were burned and certain parts were eaten by the priests to support mm-hmm. them that's how they got their food and then there were uh first fruits offerings so that'd be like grain and um oil you know wine like all of the basic products of the nation there were offerings given at different feasts weren't there mm-hmm. Doesn't yeah that seem right
1: oh yeah yeah there were so all, i think it's
0: were... a cumulative thing
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were brought all these offerings and only a portion of that would go get burned or poured out or whatever. And the rest would support the priesthood and the Levites because they didn't they didn't get an inheritance. They got they kind of got the leftovers of stuff. They would end up with land and things like that. But it was like land from other tribes and things. and, And it wasn't totally theirs. But that chapter ends with them saying we will not neglect the house of our God. And. I think that's super important because we saw how that neglect happened in the past and that neglect was a reflection on the attitudes of what was going on at the time the attitudes of the people when when the house of god stopped being a priority that was a symptom that wasn't the you know that wasn't the cause of the problems that was a symptoms of the symptom of the problems and when you start to see house of god getting neglected it's kind of clear that the relationship with god is also getting neglected at least that's my opinion on that now of course you can focus too much on you know making sure the building is nice and not enough on the relationship with god so i don't think that just keeping the the building looking nice is is a substitution for for a good relationship with god but i certainly think that a neglected building Uh, is a reflection on attitudes. Right, Tracy?
3: I was just going to say, I was was waiting (laughs) to chime in. (laughs) I have a little history with that. And I think, too, that we do. You get caught up. You get caught up in um, how things are and how things appear to be. And sometimes just because the outside is nice and shiny does not mean the inside is nice and shiny and vice versa. Mm-hmm. but i think it has to be it has to be a balance and i think at this point i would probably venture to say that we kind of hit a reset here locally and and there's been a shift mhm would you say that
1: absolutely i think um yeah i think definitely when we you no know, i think we're in the midst of the shift still but yeah. but but yes we we've seen <sighs> Okay, so some some decorating concepts did not go over very well with some people, and it it seemed to bring out a spirit that we hadn't even realized was there, which was that there was a bit, I'm going to say, I mean, I think there was a bit of a selfish spirit involved that we didn't really necessarily understand was, was kind of underlying with things, and you know, some people were very happy with the way things were, and then other people wanted to see some change. Um, and when somebody decided to step out and, and start making some change, it it caused some friction, you know. But at least in my perspective, what we saw was, oh, you know what? We've got a problem we didn't even realize we had, and we have to address that, you know. And the problem itself really had nothing to do with the building. The problem just had to do with attitudes, had to do with our hearts and where, where are we, where are we putting our priorities? What is, what is the important part to us? You know? Yeah.
3: yeah. And, yeah. and it was, and it, it was amazing too, that some, you know, and not to dig too deep into it, but some people actually left because of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, does does paint mean that much to you or does decorations mean that much to you? Or is it just the thought of being in control? Yeah. You know, and two, just like we had said before in a lot of times it was that older generation that was like, well, you know what? 30 years ago I was in charge. Well, time waits for no one. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you do have to hand over the, the reins to other people. And I think, too, is it, it was also brought up that it can't be the same 10 people for an entire church. Right. It's like, you know what, we have to we have to all take take some accountability and some responsibility and and know and realize that it takes it takes a, a village. It takes the whole church to to make this thing work effectively. And I think that's where we're we're at right now. You know, do I think the the fire's still on? Sure. Do I think it's nearly to the degree that it was? 2 or 3 months ago. No. No. Um, and I think that's good and I think that's it's it's part of that refinement. I think sometimes it takes the fire and the fire will will get rid of the impurities that it needs to.
2: Mhm. Mhm.
1: So, but yeah, so don't neglect the house of God because you also do not want to be neglecting your relationship with God. We put we put a lot of emphasis maybe on the house of God. Maybe sometimes we put too much emphasis on the building. We know now that the that the well, you know, we're going to be getting into New Testament soon, and we're it won't be terribly long, but we're going to learn about how the temple is us, where the Holy Spirit lives in us, and you can't neglect that house of God either. And so it's all about that relationship, and um, and then I think this is I think this is people recognizing this. We don't want to neglect this relationship. Unfortunately, I think possibly this is where we start to see the legalism starting to set in because they want to correct to the point of overcorrection. But um, I guess credit for credit for uh, finally getting the concept of we need to be doing the right stuff. The narrative shifts a bit to the people who are living in, in Jerusalem the leaders live in Jerusalem, about a tenth of the rest of the people, they stay in Jerusalem, but then everybody else, I think they, they drew, they drew their cast lots or whatever to find out who's going to live where so that everybody isn't just all packed into Jerusalem. So about a tenth of the people lived in Jerusalem and we get a big long list of those names of those names. And then we get um, a list of the names of people who live outside the city of Jerusalem. Oh, we get a, in Nehemiah 12 we get a list of Priests and Levites um, We get a little story About how the the Levites were brought Together to celebrate The, the dedication of the wall Once it was built uh, It says it was gladness, thanksgiving and singing Cymbals, stringed instruments and harps So um, A rather joyous occasion There with uh, Choirs, two choirs, sound like big Choirs too because they kind of Took up They took up a huge portion of the wall It sound like they were standing on the wall and singing. And it was um, how do they put it? The joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. Have you ever been? We've probably all been close enough to a stadium now and then on a nice, quiet, clear day. And you're miles away and you can hear there's a football game going or something. And you can hear the cheering from from the other end, other side of town. And oh, wow, something's going on, you know, because we live close enough to those things and you can hear hear that so so that's you know that's the kind of thing i can i can guess what's going on there where people were hearing this stuff from a long ways and of course when they don't have uh traffic and stuff making noise i just noticed your hand karen sorry go ahead
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh well i was just going to say as the parent of a harp player Mm. someone who for many many years had to drive station wagons to haul my child's instrument around which is a two-person carry, two-person load and unload, large investment of time, money, energy, and space. When they talk about having harps, I immediately picture donkeys and carts lined with bales or piles of straw hauling my daughter's giant concert brand. Now, I don't (laughs) know if that's actually how it looked, but that's what I picture (laughs) <laughs> Maybe these were smaller harps and therefore more transportable But the harp that I have experienced with That's not fun
1: <laughs> Probably the smaller ones Probably. You think? Mm. I don't know <laughs>
0: What were the instruments? Let's see, I'm trying to, where was that list? Musicians
1: uh, Symbols, look. stringed instruments and harps that was... um,
0: okay, so NIV says cymbals, harps, and lyres. Which lyres are a lot smaller than the harps I'm familiar with.
2: Yeah,
0: maybe we're talking lap harps. Maybe, maybe. it's the kind of harp because I doubt David, out in the field being a shepherd, had his concert grand with him
1: <laughs> when he Lugged was playing it.
0: harp. I think it was probably a, a lap harp.
1: Well, or he was carrying that concert grand around. And now we know why he was strong enough to throw a rock hard enough to sink into somebody's head.
0: Yeah, strap that thing on your back and go hike <laughs> after the sheep.
1: <laughs> um, oh, let's see. There were some temple responsibilities doled out, uh, specifically over the rooms of the storehouse to gather the offerings and the first fruits and the tithes. Uh, singers and gatekeepers were kept. Uh, excuse me. Singers and gatekeepers. Uh, the, the old, or the, hmm. S- singers and gatekeepers. The new. King James says they kept charge of their God. And I think I looked that up in uh, NIV. It was more like they were kind of more in service of God. And they were in charge of the purification. So yeah, you know, I mean singers and What text verse, is that? What verse is that? Uh verse
0: forty-five.
1: I'm trying to remember what that was. I, I don't I don't know. It's a super huge important thing, but uh forty-five NIV. Kept
0: the kept the charge of their God, not charge of their God.
1: Maybe I just was. Both the was...
0: singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification. So mm. NIV translates that they performed the service of their God and the service of purification.
1: Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just think it's interesting how the, the singers were in charge of this. And I think of our modern day worship service. Uh, and I don't know how it is everywhere, but I know that at times it's hard to get people to come into the room when the when the worship service is starting with music. People want to wait until the preaching starts, you know. But that right. purific the purification begins with <laughs> the singing, you know. It's so important that music, something about music and I, you know, I'm not a music major. I I don't have a lot of musical talent. I suppose I can kind of sing a little bit. I'm not going to give you an example here, but um <laughs> there's something about music though that stirs you. If you if you like music, you know what I'm talking about how it stirs you to your core. You know, if you have a song that you really like and if you're really engaging with it, you can't you can't perform music well by faking it. You know, you That's you really sad. you have to be able to just allow it to connect to you, and so specifically, or, or 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 especially, I should say, singing to God, you have to. That's just gonna. It's gonna flow through, and and if you're really worshiping God with music, uh, there's a connection that I can't really explain.
0: So, quick little story from when I still lived in Colorado. So, there the local church there. Um, had a group of young people who would sometimes get up and lead worship at the church service and one of the one of the fathers of that in amongst that group came to me after a church service one time and said how come when the kids lead the music he goes i want to like it (laughs) my Hmm. own child is up there he goes how come they can do the same songs as the other worship team lead groups and it lacks something it feels flat i don't want to get on my feet i don't want to he goes what is it and i said it's spiritual maturity Mm -hmm. it's a it's a different thing where it's musical maturity and it's also spiritual maturity like are you listening to the words do you know what they mean is this woven into a complete service you know, I can't, are you throwing your heart and soul into it? Because the audience knows the difference. So mm-hmm. exactly, exactly what you're saying, Matt, you cannot fake music. If it mm-hmm. is flowing from God through you, like if you're overflowing with love for God, when you, when you do that, if you're an open conduit from the people to the, the father that you're trying to point them to through the solo, the song selection and the way you do them and stuff like that, the, the audience the congregation will feel that and in this case the dad wasn't a musician so he didn't know how to name the difference but he was frustrated mm-hmm. like he wanted the kids to be good at it like he wanted it to be amazing especially since his kid was up there and instead it felt flat and he didn't know why and i was like no it's emotional maturity that's mm-hmm. what it is and yeah i was like oh that's frustrating <laughs> <laughs> but it is. And yeah. and we know that like we listen to maturity. We listen to music that like reaches inside us and taps our heart and soul. That's what you're hearing is you're hearing an authentic experience that's relating to you or that you can relate to. And it feels different.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, even sometimes even now, some of the, the worship teams that you get, I'm going to use a phrase here and to see if you understand what I'm saying where it's like, they're pretending to sing. Does that yep. make sense? You know. Yep.
0: They're mouthing and I, along, and there's some sound coming out.
1: hmm And yeah, you know, they're, maybe they're mimicking something they heard on the radio or something like that, and they're trying to get this those same inflections. But it's it's um and right. uh, you know I'm being totally Surface. judgmental about this because I'm not up there doing it. But it's just it's it's a uh, you can tell the difference between a true performance and a and and and, and um m- mimicking that's yeah you know, yeah you know and uh <laughs> yep <clears throat> so that th- this is why I think you know it's a fair thing for us to here we go back to talking about wanting to be entertained but uh to expect that our worship teams our music teams in our worship services should be good at it you know. Not just a not just a desire to be up there, but really good at it. And uh...
0: and I think I you know back to what I was saying. I think spiritual maturity is very important. Mm-hmm. If you're going to get up front during any part of any church service, and like and we're and we haven't forgotten what we're talking about here with the musicians, yeah, with, in Nehemiah. But like if you're going to be part of a worship service that aims to reach out to people where they are and connect them to God's outstretched hand. You need to be sincere. If you're not sincere, you can actually get in the way from that happening. Now, are you ultimate? Does that make you ultimately responsible for each person's worship experience? No, but you have a role and it's important. So how about you do it? Well,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So and in this case, they put the it. musicians in charge of, um, well, you know, they performed the service of their God. <laughs> so they were in mm-hmm. charge of the purification. That's kind of -hmm.
1: interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. And that importance of music in worship. All right. Well, the last chapter, we probably should move on here, um, talks about how when they were reading that book of Moses, how the Ammonites and the Moabites weren't allowed to be there. That's interesting to me because, you know, coming at it from an evangelistic uh, sense to separate. A group of people and saying no because your ancestors were bad we're not going to allow you here so that's weird. it's hard for me to grasp on that but we've got to remember what was happening which <laughs> is that israel who was supposed to be that example they were supposed to remain set aside this was something that was being formulated specifically and so we have to set aside our modern sensibilities and say okay they had to, they had to say, no, you can't be a part of this. And, um, I guess we gotta, we gotta accept that because it was a different time, different situation.
0: Wasn't there a way, I would have to look this up, but wasn't there a way where, cause even when they left Egypt, there was a whole bunch of the mingled horde of whoever, right? Mm-hmm. So there were all the Israelites who left Egypt. And then there was a mixed group of followers, whether they just were friends, they were close, they believed, they were married to someone, who knows, whatever. But Mm -hmm. at some point, there was a process set out where if you did these things for this long, you were incorporated into the Israelites. Do you remember that? Hmm. There was an actual process, and I don't know that it was exclusive like this is.
3: I think I, I vaguely remember what you're talking about. And I thought, didn't it happen over the course of the exodus? It did. Where they, while they first started out, they were separated. Yes. And then like they, they camped
0: outside.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. They became integrated into the group after X amount of time. Yeah. By in,
0: By individual, right? It was by um, individual conditions. It wasn't like, okay, it's been this long. Move on in, guys. It wasn't that. It was yeah. like. It was it was basically the equivalent of applying for a visa, right? Well, if you've lived inside, <laughs> if you've lived inside the U.S. on a temporary visa for this long, and you've done this, and you haven't done that, and you've done these things over here, and you haven't done those things over there, then you can apply to be a citizen, right? It's it's a, it's time and it's process and it's behavior and it's intention and it's taking the oath and it's taking the class. It's all of the things. So we have our own sort of modern version of that. You just don't have to camp outside the camp, but yeah. anyway.
1: That's all, yeah, yeah, and so I mean, being exclusive in this, I don't think this totally meant that they weren't ever allowed to, you know, take part in things. This specific thing, they weren't allowed to be a part of. Uh, well, there's what's a lot the of assembly
0: times... of God. It says, be should ever you. be admitted into the assembly of God. Like, what does that mean?
1: Oh, you're right, you're right, yeah. Is that the temple well, service? Hmm, that's gonna so, bear some research, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, there's times when people were cut off from the people. That doesn't I don't know if that's what we're talking about here or, if the, you know, if they just weren't allowed to be a part of that at all. Um, but the point of it being this was a specific time, specific situation and a specific yeah. thing was being was trying to be uh, conveyed here. The chapter kind of ends then with what. Uh, it's titled the reforms of Nehemiah. We've seen in the past where different Kings would come in and have reformation. And usually it was, let's get back to the, let's get back to the basics and get back to the roots. And that's kind of what's happening here. But as Nehemiah, he says, before all this stuff happened. So all this stuff we just talked about before this happened, uh, Eliashib, the priest had given Tobiah a room in the temple. That is supposed to be a place for grain offerings and, <laughs> You remember, if you remember from last time, Tobiah was one of the guys who didn't want the wall to be built. And meanwhile, now he's living in the temple. You know, this yeah. is a guy who did not have the best interests of Israel at, at heart. And yet he has this this spot. He's taking up space
0: <laughs> in the going, house of God,
1: in the house of God. And Nehemiah is like, uh, uh-uh, uh, nope. And he goes and he chucks all of his stuff out.
0: Just purifies uh, the rooms, puts them back to use.
1: Yep. Yep. So we're, we're we're putting the temple back to the way it's supposed to be. Uh, we find that the Levites hadn't been given their portion. Like we were talking about, they had had to go uh, work in the fields. Um, Nehemiah challenges the rules on this. And then next thing you know, Hey,
0: the Levites and the musicians. Yeah. Which I think the musicians were Levites, so that's an inclusive term, but still.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and like we had just talked about, they had, had they were supposed to have charge of things. You know, they were important, and they weren't being taken care of the way they were supposed to. And Nehemiah challenges it, and next thing you know, hey, look, tithes are being brought, and treasurers are appointed. Um, well, and I
0: think, I think that's probably why the last line of their sort of oath thing back here is, we will not neglect the house of God. Mm-hmm. Because that's what he says here So in verse 11, in chapter 13, verse 11 He says, so I rebuked the officials And ask them, why is the house of God neglected?
1: Yep uh, Let's see, Nehemiah sees people in Judah Treading their wine presses bringing, bringing loads to Jerusalem To sell on the Sabbath This was a big no-no In fact, Nehemiah calls it an evil thing um, Men of Tyre Bringing stuff to sell And <laughs> and nehemiah says didn't your fathers do this stuff isn't this what brought us disaster to beginning to begin with and so he orders that the gates get closed as the sun is going down on friday night and they're not supposed to get opened again until after the sabbath is over so for a 24 hour period and merchants try to camp out outside the gate They're like well we'll just wait outside then you know we'll we're going to be here we're ready and, and Nehemiah chases him off. He threatens physical violence. He's like, no, get out of here. If you come back here, how does he put it? He put, I will lay hands on you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then some Levites are commanded to guard the gates and it says to sanctify the Sabbath day. So this is so this was such an important part of, of the lifestyle, the life that Sabbath time it's like stop, you know.
0: Compromising,
1: stop compromising
0: everywhere,
1: everywhere, exactly.
0: Well, then it gets brutal. And so, what 23. is it? What's the, t-
3: oh. the timeline from nine Nehemiah 9 to where we are in 13? Because it just went through the whole history.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's why when, when you get into 13, I think it said before this stuff, before some of these, you know, before all this started. I think nine and I think nine and thirteen it kind of jumps to thirteen. And then and he's like, Oh yeah, and before that, this is what was going on.
0: So chapter thirteen starts with the words, On that day the book of Moses was read aloud in the hearing of the people, there was found written that there shall be no Ammonite or Moabite, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Then verse four, before this Elisha the priest had been put in charge of, right? And then Mm -hmm. but well and then verse six, but while all this was going on, I was not in Jerusalem, right?
2: Anyway.
1: Yeah, yep. So. So in verse twenty
0: three, this gets really interesting. Did you read this part?
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. So in this intermarrying, you know, we don't intermarrying for us, you know, between and I hate using the word races. I don't. I I I just don't think exactly skin color to me is not a different race, but um.
0: Right. (laughs) The different (laughs) ethnicity.
1: Ethnicity. There you go. But here, what was going on was that guys had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and half the children couldn't even speak the language of Judah. And so here we're trying to reform a society in this capital city of Judah, and the kids can't even speak the language. What's going to happen if the kids can't speak the language when it comes their time? To raise up, like Tracy has said, you know, as the older generations are going away and as these new, this new generation is coming up and if they aren't, if they don't have a hand on the culture, they don't have a hand on the language. What happens? It's just going to be more compromise. It's going to be more chaos. Everything is going to be going. Who knows where willy nilly, what directions things are going to happen. Oh the way nehemiah goes go ahead karen
0: well he lays the groundwork by saying and and then and then it skips back and then we'll skip back up it says was it not because this is verse 26 was it not because of marriages like these that solomon king of israel sinned
1: among mm-hmm. the many
0: nations there was no king like him he was loved by his god and god made him king over all israel but even he was led into sin by foreign women must we hear now that you, too, are doing all this terrible wickedness and are being unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women? Okay? I'll let you guys tell the rest of the story.
3: Does your, does your Bible the, say foreign, or does
1: it say yes. pagan? Mine said pagan.
0: Um, well, okay, so uh, New International Version, I've got a parallel, so I've got four versions here. New King James says pagan women, which implies their beliefs, right? And foreign women, then N-I-B says foreign women, which implies their ethnicity. So is that the same thing? Because I don't think that there were Christian Ammonites. I don't know. I'm just no. saying.
2: That's what yeah. they say.
0: Okay, yeah. I'll let you guys tell the story of how Nehemiah handled this, because this gets funny to me.
2: It
3: is. It, it, uh, oh, mm, that was so mad. <laughs> that, that's all I heard. I just Every time I read that, I was like, I just... Felt like you were saying, and I was
1: just so mad, I didn't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Nehemiah curses the men, strikes them, so he's going around, (laughs) yelling at them, hitting them, literally pulling out their hair. doesn't say pulls their hair, pulls out their hair. Jeez. And makes them swear to not Give their daughters to the pagans Or to take pagan women for their sons It's like knock it off Stop this garbage because You keep compromising Us we've For Hundreds well it's probably Over a thousand years now You know generations We've been doing this same Garbage over and over and over we keep Compromising we keep not what God told us to do. We are still not in the position we're supposed to be in. Stop it. Stop doing this. Cause yeah, even Solomon, remember how great Solomon was, you know, wisest man who ever lived. And he got compromised and he started worshiping idols because he was listening to these women and that he had had married. Women have huge years- of the women. Those women. (laughs) Women have.
0: I don't know whether to brush my knuckles off with pride or sit in the corner in disgrace. I just can't tell what I'm supposed to do here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, women have huge power over men. You just do, you know, and uh, we like to. (laughs)
0: Sorry, not sorry.
1: You know, we either like to impress the women or we just don't want them mad at us. I'm not sure. Well, and
0: that and honestly, I think that was Solomon, like he's the king of whatever. And, you know, he didn't need to impress anybody. But I think with him, it was just a matter of trying to keep everybody happy. And, you know, let's face it. It's not like he was spending a bunch of time with them. They had long lives apart from Solomon, even though they were married to him. So he wants them to feel comfortable and be at home and, you know, be able to fill their times with what they want to do. And that includes their belief system. So he's busy expanding the nation and he makes, makes treaties with all these nations and marries women from the nation to seal the treaties. And it's like, Oh my gosh, dude, stop.
1: Yeah. Stop. Yeah.
0: Leave some for the rest of the men.
1: (laughs) Well, the men weren't supposed to have them. So maybe well, maybe yeah. Solomon just had an open open field to play with there.
3: Yes. But if memory serves me correctly though, is it always bad? Because one of his wives was Egyptian and she wasn't talked badly about because she actually
1: converted. Mm. Remember no. the first yeah. Egyptian wife? hmm But yeah, but it's still a principle that, that was supposed it, to
3: be it is. held. It, and And I think, too, you know, well one th- there's always good sheep in every flock, but what was it? How many nine thousand what how many wives did he have? Six
0: hundred and whatever
3: too many too many and concubines and everything else. yeah, that probably just got out of control. but mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention I think there was there was one that they said did convert, and she was Egyptian, yeah,
0: so have so so to me, that's like a do not be unequally yoked thing
2: mm-hmm.
0: and Especially if you're the king of a nation. I mean, if you're the if you're the king of a household, if you're the the leader of the household, then yeah, you should stay on track and keep your you know keep your priorities and keep your focus and keep your direction and keep your all of the things. Keep your roots where they're supposed to be. Stay stay grounded in what you know you're supposed to be doing. And yes, men, that's you. <laughs> all the bigger when it comes to a nation, right? So. Yeah. I mean, the weight that rests on choosing your spouse is—that's a pretty far-reaching effect.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it, it's an example of, to us individually of how important it is to not look for, l- not look for a life partner, you know, outside of our faith. Uh, and that's I'm not hosed. to. Si- I'm so
3: <laughs> hosed. <laughs> you know, you know, what- you know what? Well, and I totally wholeheartedly agree with that. Um,
0: that I'm hosed? Great.
3: No, no. <laughs> that. But the unequally yoked, you know, it, when you look at, like, denominations, I think sometimes we just get too specific. You know what I mean? Like, like Karen is going, I'm so hosed. But you know what? I know plenty of people that have... While it's been tru, while it's been tough and it's been a struggle, have had great marriages, but it's been a journey. And conversion did happen, but it's been a journey.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know what I mean? And I think too, sometimes we just want to get that. You know, a few sermons ago, it was just almost that self righteous kind of approach to say that you know what if it's not this religion then i can't even talk to it yeah where yeah I,
0: I don't i don't feel that way about it
3: yeah no i think i think we have to we can't get that exclusive you know to the point of do you believe in god yeah
0: that's yeah. and that's my thing like if you and that believe be in yeah yeah i think i think if you if you believe in god and you you know, trust him with your day and you ask for his input and you, you know, you put that first when you're making major decisions and you put that first when you're sorting out your finances, right? Like those are the kinds of things where it's going to make a huge difference in a home. Like, how do I talk to my spouse? How do we make decisions as a couple? How do we run our household? How do we balance our checkbook? What do we spend our money on? And those, that's where it can get really foundational to the ins and outs of daily life. Mm-hmm. And in this case, they got children that don't even speak the local language.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And they're supposed to be the city on a hill. That is their job. They are supposed to be the shining example. When you follow Yahweh, this is what you get.
3: And I think that was ultimately what Satan wanted to do, is that, you know what, you've gone so far out that now your children don't even know their history or their foundation or language
0: at that. Well, remember when Balaam took money from Balak to go and curse the Israelites and then when he got there he couldn't curse them. God yep. wouldn't let him you
3: can't curse something that God's blessed.
0: Right. Yeah. So if you fast forward to the end of the New Testament, gosh, I think it's Jude. It kind of goes into the ways that Balaam
3: Yeah told. he told them how to defeat them.
0: Yeah. He's he's you know he said well I, you know I can't I can't curse send, them but I can sure women. give you some pointers. Yep. I can yep. sure give send you some pointers.
2: Women.
1: Yeah.
0: You're welcome. I mean sorry. <laughs>
1: Sorry. <laughs> well, and then Nehemiah finishes off He says, thus I cleansed them of everything pagan Which I think this was an important thing to happen uh, And then he says, remember me, oh my God, for good So, kind of, re- remember me for all the good stuff I did, God And
0: Yeah, NIV translates that a little bit nicer It says, remember me with favor, my God
1: mm. Yeah, so is that
0: <sighs> after he pulled out
3: people's hair?
1: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me. yeah. Just <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's an interesting fine line here, where the Reformation is important. Um, you know, can we question how he did it? Was it? Was it what was absolutely necessary at the time? Maybe. Um, would we get away with doing that sort of thing now? I don't think so.
3: Um, up on some charges.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Besides that, but uh, you know, do we find it? Do we w- w- would we would we have a situation now where we would have to get as fanatical? If I want to use that word. Um, well,
0: I don't think we have. I I don't think that Christians n- now have quite the same exclusivity in their calling as the Israelites did. Yeah. Now it's your belief system rather than your belief system along with your ethnicity
2: mm-hmm.
0: so I, I think that I mean, I get it that shift happened at the cross when yeah. the gospel went to everyone and then Paul was the first apostle to the Gentiles. and then like the early apostles, they had to sit down and have like meetings like, okay, so now that now that all the people coming in aren't circumcised and have different eating habits and have completely different whatever. Like, what are the rules? Like, wh- what do we need to enforce here? Because it's no longer just the Hebrews.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in a we're in a different situation now. Where?
0: So so exclusive light on a hill. You know, yes, you're supposed to be on, supposed to be the city on the hill, the salt of the earth, take the gospel into all the nation. But it's not quite the narrow, the narrow expression of that that it was for the Hebrews.
1: Right. righty. Well, I think that wraps up the book of Nehemiah for us. We've hit on it pretty good. We've seen this reform now. We've seen we've seen this return. We've seen this rebuilding. We're seeing this reform. And as we're closing in on the end of the old testament, we're starting to see how Israel maybe is finally starting to get it, sorta. I think we're gonna see. We're going to well, we'll see once we get to the New Testament, we're going to see that maybe not exactly, maybe not quite, <laughs> but uh, at least they've got it in their head that we made mistakes and we and we need to change. So next week, we are going to read the book of Malachi, and that is going to be the last book in the Old Testament. And um, I don't know, I'll be it'll be interesting to see what we have gleaned over the last couple of years um and uh and reading that last that last book so for next time read the book of malachi while you're waiting for us remember you can reach out to us at attv podcast at the adventure.org remember to check us out on facebook make sure you share the podcast with your friends and family and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so we retune you your feet each and every week. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening.